Aloha, everyone. Rabbi Rachel coming to you here from the Big Island of Hawaii. <sighs> the collective exhale. And you might notice I'm a little lower energy this morning as I feel like all of us are coming up on this full moon, lunar eclipse, everything that's going on in the world. But before we get there, let's just stop. Take a moment. And feel that breath. This breath that's such a precious gift. Because as you receive the breath, millions of others take their last. But when we bring awareness to this, the gift that is this moment, we can see what a gift it really is. And we can make it count. Because we're here. So God, please let me open my heart to share and allow others to open theirs. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech ha'olam, shehechianu v'kiyamanu v'higianu, azman hazeh. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, the one who is greater and bigger and eternal, that gives us life, sustains us, and has blessed us with this joyous occasion of this moment. <sighs> so part of the reason my energy is a little bit lower today is I think it's difficult not to be. We're all surviving at this point um, with the pandemic, George Floyd, everything else. But before any of that even began, I had planned to speak about death and dying and grief because it's actually the most requested podcast topic I received. And <laughs> be careful what you wish for, what you want to talk about, because as soon as that happens... Um, God threw a bunch of death into my life from all perspectives in my personal family and all around me and the world around me. And I feel like at this point, I just have to share. I have been really, really angry. I'm in the stage of grief that's just pure anger. And the thing about anger is sometimes we try to silence anger. We try to push anger down. And in doing that, we build resentment. When in reality, allowing that anger to come through and to surface can channel into change, can channel into something bigger than us. So when we realize that we're still alive and we have the power to be angry, that drives something deeper within us to change and to go and be bigger and to think bigger. So for me, I look at what's going on in our world today and I think about the death of George Floyd and everything that's been happening and the riots and the protests. I myself here participated in our protest a few days ago. There were 390 of us. I stood in between all my friends that are uh, priests and Buddhists and artists and my daughter was there with me and I'm angry that we still have to do this, but I see that it's part of the healing process. 
I see the systemic violence and the system that isn't broken in any way, but actually is working as it was supposed to, that's built upon the foundation of superiority, that's built upon a foundation of putting other people down and using them to gain for our needs. And that system's done. It's not going to work anymore. Obviously, we're seeing that. The voices of the oppressed are coming forward in such a way. And if there's anyone who knows about oppression, it's Jews. But now's not our time. I was saying this to someone the other day. You know, they were asking why I'm not being more vocal and why I had Black Lives Matter on my sign and not something more Jewish. My sign actually said, Sedek, Sedek, Tir Dolph, which means justice, justice, you shall pursue. And those are the lines of the Torah meaning that us as individuals are here to pursue justice. So at this moment, when we say Black Lives Matters, it's not because I'm not saying that there isn't other oppression taking place. I'm saying that because if we looked back in the Holocaust and we think about the fact that Hitler didn't start with just Jews, he actually started with black people and gypsies and people who had Down syndrome or were physically disabled, uh, the LGBTQ community. There was all these people that were targeted. But at the end of the day, it's the Jews who were sent to the concentration camps. It was the Jews who had the targets on their back. So it was everybody else kind of needed to put their own stuff aside to focus on that group. We've had our day. We had Egypt. We've had the Holocaust. There's still anti-Semitism going strong. Don't get me wrong. But right now, it's not our time to shine, and it's not anyone else's time to shine. It's time for black people who've been completely marginalized in our country, in our system, in our world, to have a voice and to recognize that the system in power in our country, in America, where we choose to reside, oppresses those people is oppressing the voice and systemic violence and police brutality. And you can't sit there and watch this and be numb to this anymore. And I get very, very angry when I think about our phones and our devices and how numb we've become to the fact that we can watch these things and we forget that this is a person. Like, I don't know how at this point I can explain that you should just be good to other people. The Ten Commandments we receive in our Torah portion this week, funny enough, one of which is what? Thou shall not murder. 5,780 years later, here we are. We still haven't learned this lesson. Ten rules. Ten. That basically are just like, hey, don't be a jerk. Be a good person to other people. Ten rules that God gave us, the divine gave us, whatever it is that's bigger than us, that was like, hey, if you guys can just do these ten things, you're going to be okay. Like this right here is the roadmap to just being a good, decent human being. And when they received in the Torah, you know what the people said to Moses? Nope, that's too much. We can't do it. And here we are still with people around saying, nope, that's too much. We can't do it. So I believe in contracts. I talk about this a lot. The Ten Commandments were a contract that God made with us, and we are not upholding our contract in any way. But I saw a rainbow this morning on the way here. And the rainbow is a contract as well that God promised never to forsake us, never to forget us, that we will always come out ahead. And in times like this, you know, Rabbi Harold Kushner writes, in times of death and grief and mourning and loss, 
We don't look to God as this, you know, almighty being in the sky divvying out right and wrong and good and bad and you did this so this happens. No, that's crap. The reality is we turn to God in these times to know that it's just bigger than us, that God's what we turn to in times of support to get through, to know that there's things going on bigger picture that we are just sometimes too blind to see. So our anger right now is justified. And to me, this anger over death and grief and the collective mourning we are doing as a people, I mean, we had barely just gotten out of coronavirus and now we're in riots. The world is beyond biblical. I think if anyone can open their eyes, they can see that. But justified anger motivates us to seek justice. Sedek, Sedek, Tirdov, justice, justice, you shall pursue. So what does that look like? Well, to me, when that happened, I immediately went to my friend Mitch Roth's house, who's running for mayor, and we talked about policy. We talked about politics, the future of this island, if he's going to be elected. That, to me, is where now it's time to use our voices. We need to be beating up our politicians in the polls. We need to be taking our census. We need to go in and infiltrate the system so that we can take the system down because it's no longer, I'm sorry, if you're posting a black square on Instagram and thinking you're making a difference, wake up, you're not. The way you're gonna make a difference is to go into the very system that you believe is corrupt and actually seek and motivate change. Stand on the street with signs. Don't riot. That's not what Martin Luther King wanted. That's not what anyone wants. But let's talk peace. Let's talk policy. Let's talk breaking this down. Rome didn't fall in a day. Babylon didn't fall in a day. We look at all these things. We are in the middle of that right now. And I said to someone the other day, you know, you want to talk about where you would have been during the civil rights movement, during the Holocaust. You're there right now doing whatever it is you would have been doing. You're doing it. And a large part of the reason I became a rabbi is I vividly, I close my eyes and my whole body feels like it's there. Um, I vividly remember being in Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum in Israel. And before you get to the tragedy that we all know of the millions of lives that are lost and the names that go on and on and on and names that we don't even know, they take you through the media they take you through how that happened. So many people forget that Hitler was elected under a democracy. He delayed an election and became a dictator. He controlled the media. He gave rise to a deep-seated hate that was already in Germany. You think the Nazis were any different than our police officers at the moment? I'm sorry. I have to believe that the Nazis probably thought they were just doing orders too, that they genuinely believed that even though in their souls they knew what they were doing was wrong, that they were doing what was right for their leader. They were just taking a paycheck at the end of the day. They wanted to protect their country. When in real reality, their empathy in their brain was turned off. And we are in a world right now where our phones have made it so our empathy has turned off because we've disassociated, we've disconnected, and we forget that these are human beings behind these devices in this alternate reality we've created. So when you walk through Yad Vashem and you see 
the media and you see the political climate, ec the economic climate, and you see the hate that was already deep planted and rooted, all that happened was the right cocktail of stuff to m allow that hate to rise. That's what we're seeing in America right now. We are planted on the seeds and the roots and the soil of racism. And right now, the oppression of indigenous people is being pulled out so that we can plant new seeds and start anew. So I saw this coming in a lot of ways. It's part of the reason I'm seeking to create the space here is because all I want is a safe space for all beings to come and feel safe because I know that we're getting to a place in our world where feeling safe is going to be really important. Safe in your skin, no matter who you are, who you pray to, what color you are, anything, who you love, this period of transformation is upon us. And I'm warning you all, things have to get really dark before they can get really light. We have to die a spiritual death, and death and birth are the same. As someone who has given birth, I will tell you that it has made me connect with death in a way I could have never prepared. I had planned to be a birth doula prior to giving birth. I'm now a death doula in a way because birth and death are the same portal to life. So when we look deeper into the collective grief that we're going through and we look at the anger that's coming up, it's time for us to do something about it. Social media is not going to do it. I'm sorry, people. Influences, influencers who have no business actually influencing us and are making it worse with narcissistic and egoic posts behind this false universe when what we actually need to be doing is going into our systems to provoke real change. That's the reality. Get off your phone and do something. Get off your device and do something. You know what coronavirus was to me? The device overload that we've brought upon ourselves. My mom always talks about the first time she ever smoked a cigarette. My grandpa made her smoke an entire pack of cigarettes and she never smoked a cigarette again. I swear that is what is bigger than us is doing to all of us right now. You guys wanted to be behind your phones, do it all. Do it all behind your phones. Your yoga classes, your food, pickup, delivery. You took your connection for granted anyway, so here, have it. And now we're being called to go out and mobilize and say, nope, we have to come together as a people in true kahila, sacred covenantal community. We have to say, I deserve better. We deserve better. And we have to do better for our keiki, for our children, for the future generations to come. I'm not going to sit here and lie and pretend like we don't have problems that really need solving. You know the pandemic we should be talking about? The opioid pandemic. That's what we should be talking about in our country because I swear if we compared the numbers between that and COVID, we would be staunchly surprised who has taken more life. So, whew. Death and dying and grief and anger. And if you feel my heart coming through, it's because it's here. And God gave me a voice and I won't let it die inside me. I know for a fact that if I don't share here on this pulpit or this podcast or whatever it is I've been given, then all those lives are lost. 
every single person who's died in the name of hate, violence, injustice, oppression, and all these things that are so broken and still present within us. We believe that their memories live on through their blessings, through their lives. So by using our voices and provoking the change that they aren't still here to provoke themselves is our power. For the kid who lays in the hospital bed, who can't get up and do it himself, we have to do things better. We have to change the system. We have to look at our families. We have to look at our government. We have to look at ourselves. And we have to see where we can change. We are going through a collective death and dying and grief. And it's hard. And in Judaism, we sit shiva. We don't hide from death and grief. You're not supposed to shower. You're supposed to cover your mirrors. You're not supposed to do anything else. You are just supposed to be with your family and focus on the loss. And where we are right now is I think everybody needs to stop and go inward because I don't have the answers. I don't know how we're going to change the system. But I know that when we can get quiet and listen and come from the place of love and healing unconditionally and take off our masks and learn to love again, rewrite our DNA and our undo this genetic trauma we were put here to do, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. So this is not the last I have for you on death and dying. It's also weird for me because it's two years to the day of the lava flow and of, I think, some really large things being taken out. So it's, it's a time of shift, and all we can do is go with it and surrender to it. And the more we resist what is, the more difficult we're going to make things for ourselves. And I've been told politics and the pulpit don't miss, but to me, this is beyond politics right now. This is people. Tikkun olam means healing the world, it means awakening to the fact that we were brought in to a broken world, a broken system. I don't believe in original sin. I don't believe anyone is born with any sin. I think children are born perfect and pure and innocent and the divine, radiant, rainbow, light and loving reflection of God. But I believe that perfection comes into a broken world so that we can seek that perfection within us again to heal what's broken. <sighs> so this week's podcast, um, any donations made through a Havina are going to go towards Black Lives Matters, are going to go towards bailing people out from riots, they're going to go towards ending systems of police brutality, and they're going to go towards black organizations that are helping to make the world a better place. If you feel so called to donate, www.ahavaaina.org. And I look forward to sharing more with you. Until then, be well. Don't give up. This full moon lunar eclipse is upon us. Lunar eclipses always, always bring about big things. We can look back in history and see the fall of so many things. So just stay present. Surrender. 
use your voice. Shaloha.